0: Well, I have to admit, I have a a difficult job ahead of me this morning. And I've been kind of wrestling with it all week. Um, As we look at what's taken place through the... uh, I doubt I'm going to end up sitting, knowing me. (laughs) Um, As we've been looking at this idea of the resurrection going viral, the idea that when Christ rose from the dead and accomplished... Uh, providing us the opportunity to have our relationship with God reconciled through God forgiving us of our sins as we place our faith in Jesus Christ and then how that message went viral through the world uh, at that time and continues to do so today. And we talking about the fact that we have that responsibility as followers of Christ, um, as disciples to carry that. And uh The last couple weeks, again, just kind of as a little bit of a review since um, maybe some of you guys have missed, this is your first time with us, we talked about this idea that in order for the the gospel to go viral, the first thing that took place with the apostles and disciples was the fact that they encountered the resurrected Jesus, And, and what we talked about there was prior to them seeing Jesus after the resurrection, Jesus taught them a lot of things and said a lot of things to them. But they didn't quite get it all. They got bits and pieces of it, and some of it made sense, some of it didn't make sense. And how does it all play together? And kind of like a lot of us, you know, at times we, we get a little bit of what Jesus is talking about, and there other things don't make sense to us. But then Jesus dies, and he ri- uh, rises again, and, and he's in his glorified state, and um, he comes to them. We're learning in Luke 24, and he, he, he explains to them once again everything that he had been teaching them. And It tells us that he gave them the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit gave them understanding, and we saw a change in how they operated, a change in the way they went into the next coming days. They were motivated by that because they finally understood all that Jesus talked about, and the fact that for us as followers of Christ, we can understand that too. we have that potential because we have the Bible, we have god 's Holy Spirit teaching us, and we talked about the fact that he uh, empowered them and we looked at the fact that when he empowered them, they were able to literally speak in languages that they didn't know because there was a whole bunch of people from all over the world in Jerusalem and they were there and God wanted that message out to them that, hey, you could be right with God through faith in Christ and so they were given the ability through Holy Spirit to speak those languages that freaked the people out. Couldn't believe that these guys were doing that and they were able to help people come to that point of repentance, that point of connecting with God through Christ and that we too have that opportunity that we can have God's spirit fill us so that we can speak the language in a sense of those around us we know what they're going through we know the pains we know the hurts we have gone through them ourselves and so we can speak into that we can speak Christ into that he's going to give us the power to do that and and that's all exciting right all right nice all right yeah that's exciting I, I hope you guys get that and again Thursday nights, we've been talking about that as we go through Philippians. There's a church that got it, that understood it, and Paul is so grateful for him. And we're sitting around a table and we're talking about how God's using us and how people are coming into our lives. And we're talking to people about Christ and how, you know, it's kind of weird. All of a sudden, next thing you know, I'm in a conversation about the Lord and people at work and friends and people in the neighborhood. And, um, you know, my my neighbor didn't show up this morning, so I'd be praying for him because he came over last night. He says, What time's the service? I said well 10:30. I said if you come at 10 you get some coffee, you know, and some iced tea or whatever and um and so he didn't show but he was also up late last night uh <laughs> with some friends. So that might have played into a little bit uh why he's not here, but I'll uh, I'll chat with him today. Super nice guy. Um last week we uh Pastor Kevin streamed in. He kind of piped in and um was talking to us about, you know, uh, do what you can and, and tell what you know and how that plays in. Again, exciting stuff, stuff that should pump us up and, and get us going and wanting to share our faith. But then you always have this, and I need to throw in a dose of reality. The Bible always throws in reality, and the reality is this, and we're going to look at it today, and that is when we do that, like the disciples and the apostles experience some persecution or. Again, I think persecution at times, we set said it so often, it would kind of lose its um, meaning. But they, they, re, they received some pushback. Some people didn't like the fact that they were sharing Christ. And so we're going to experience that. We're going to have that in our lives. And like the disciples and the apostles, we're going to feel pushback. We're going to feel pushback from, from government, from school districts, from maybe bosses or maybe co-workers, and the pushback could be all sorts of things. Um, You know, just simply rejection or uh, maybe down the road, who knows, in our country there may be people who get arrested. You look around the world and and our world is full of Christians being persecuted. In fact, uh, I won't read it now, but I got an article here that uh, Vice President Pence was speaking to Christians and and talking about the number of... um, Christians who were being persecuted around the world. And I was thinking about it for myself, I'm thinking, okay, so have I ever had any pushback from people for sharing my faith with them? And and I can, I'm totally honest with you, you know, I do it fairly regularly. I typically do it with people who I know, who I've developed a relationship with, so maybe that's part of it. But I've never really had any kind of pushback. Um, the only time I can think of, and I told our neighbors this on Friday night, we were invited to a fire in the neighborhood, and like a campfire. Now, you know, hey, come on over, my house is burning. <laughs> bring your roasting weenie stuff and we'll have s'mores. Uh, no, and they had a campfire going. And like, our neighbor, he's, he's just, he loves to introduce me around, um, bring neighbors over to us to introduce them to us. And right out of his mouth, he goes, yeah, this is Harold. He's a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, uh, Brian... That's usually something I hold off on, you know, because some people are a little bit nervous about that. You know, I'm saying it right in front of the neighbors. And um, so I, I do remember this one time we were invited to a, uh, a neighborhood party, and Kim and I were sitting there having a great conversation with these people in the neighborhood. And then finally somebody asked, well, Harold, what do you do? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm a, this is when we lived in Fremont. Um, oh, I'm a pastor over at Grace Community Church. Oh, oh, that, the big one over there in Smith Road? Yeah, yeah. Oh, And no joke, within five minutes, it was just Kim and me sitting there on that front porch all by ourselves. People were like, well, hey, I'm... (laughs) So we went into the house and we found some lady who was sitting here by herself and decided to have a conversation with her. Um, But honestly, and this is kind of sad, but we have to be realizing it, the pushback that I've received most when it comes to this idea of sharing our faith is from people who say they're followers of Christ. Don't get it. Don't understand it. The disciples experienced it. We may experience it. And as we read through the New Testament, we see that this happens to the apostles and disciples. They face arrest, rejection, flogging, stoned, even some of them we're put, de- put to death, but here's the cool thing about it. As you read through the New Testament, in the face of persecution, the disciples actually gained confidence to continue on. They didn't look at persecution the way maybe we do. They didn't look at people pushing back on them maybe the way we do. We're We're fearful at times, and I get that. We're not really sure how to share our faith. We're not really sure what someone's going to do to us or say to us. And so we get a little bit nervous. But the apostles and disciples, they experience confidence through this persecution. And what I'm praying for this morning is that as we look into this, this morning, I, I pray that we gain that same confidence. I pray that we go out of here. We've got the message of eternal life. We've got something for people that will change their eternity. And we need to be able to face whatever might come our way like the disciples did and find confidence to keep moving forward, to keep sharing our faith. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 4. We're going to look at chapter 4 and chapter 5 today. And as you do, let me just kind of catch up on what's happening here. I'm not going to go into the full detail, just kind of look at the response. So John and Peter... They go back into the temple area in Jerusalem, and Peter gives his second sermon. And uh, it says there that the religious leaders were jealous. (laughs) They didn't like the fact that people were leaving the Jewish faith for this Christ, the guy they had just killed recently. And now we don't know where he's at, according to them. 5,000 people came to Christ. So the day of Pentecost... 3,000 people come to Christ. Now we have 5,000. We know that in between there has been other people who have come to Christ. And this is 5,000 men. So obviously more than that had come to to Christ. And so they're arrested. And they're brought before these religious leaders. Peter has a a specifically tailored message that he gives to the religious leaders. And then look in verse... 13, Acts chapter 4, verse 13. I, I love this verse, and uh, I, was, I knew I was going to fit this verse in somewhere in this series because this is awesome. So after this, they, they, uh, he gives this message of salvation to these religious leaders, and it says this, Now, as they, the religious leaders, observe the confidence of Peter and John, And understood that they were uneducated and untrained men. You see why I like it? (laughs) Right in there. They were amazed and began to recognize them as having been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed, because that's what started all this, healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in reply. One of the cool things you may want to do is take the beginning of Acts Read specifically what Peter's doing, and then go read First Peter, the first letter he wrote. It's amazing. I was thinking about it this week. It's amazing how the commands and the advice and the encouragement that Peter gives us in his letter, he's acting out in these first four or five chapters. It's really, really cool. I'll let you do a little study on that, but it's kind of a neat, neat thing to see. So we see from these verses that first of all, the confidence, they had confidence. Because persecution showed that it was God who was at work. We're going to look at a couple things here in this chapter that show us that. The first one is that only God could have given them this confidence. Now, why is that? Why would that be the case? Anybody want to throw out some ideas here? Why would this show us and why would this encourage the disciples and the apostles that only God could give them this confidence? Anybody? You're like, I didn't come here for questions here. Well, I'm just kind of throwing it out. I didn't, you know, I didn't know you might have one. Well, first of all, these guys were Galileans. Right? If you read Acts chapter 2, they're like, how are these guys able to speak in other languages? They're from Gal- Galilee. They're Galileans. Galileans back then, it was synonymous with uneducated. Like, how do these people know anything? They're not educated. They shouldn't be able to speak other people's languages. These guys were fishermen and tax collectors. One was a zealot, which means uh, kind of like a Jewish freedom fighter. Um, you know, terrorist might be a too strong of a word, but we have that in our heads. We understand what a terrorist is. There was Jewish freedom fighters. There was Jewish people back then who wanted to overthrow Rome. In fact, if you read into chapter 5 a little bit more, they talk about some of the guys who had these uprisings and it failed. And uh, they were freedom fighters, people trying to overthrow the government. These guys, the fact that these guys had these careers meant that they couldn't make it academically in the Jewish educational system. They didn't have the the smarts, they didn't have the motivation for it, and they ended up doing whatever it was their fathers were doing, being a part of whatever they were doing. But it says here, In these verses, they couldn't get over the confidence of Peter and John. They knew they were uneducated and untrained. But they had been with Jesus. They had been educated by Jesus. They had been given understanding by the Holy Spirit. And then something else that happens with that is this. They experienced exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. Look at Luke 12. You don't have to turn over there. We'll have it up on the screen. But Luke 12, 11 and 12 says this. So now this, is, this is back when Jesus was alive, before his death and burial, resurrection, going to heaven. He's teaching these guys things. He's getting prepared, getting them ready for when he leaves and they take over the mission. And he says, When they bring you before synagogues and the rulers and the authorities... Do not worry about how or what you are to speak in your defense or what you are to say. Why? For the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. Can you imagine John and Peter being arrested? You remember, they were the ones who were scared after the crucifixion. They are the ones who were hiding in the upper room fearful of, the, of those who were going to come after them. But then, when Jesus comes back to life, he, he teaches them all things and he teaches them this and says, you remember, remember what I said? And it's going to happen. Then they take that step of faith. They go start sharing this message. Now they're brought before the religious leaders and they have a choice. <laughs> they can go, Well, I remember what Jesus said and I'm going to trust that, or I'm going to scramble. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to dump this whole idea and I'm going to run. But they took the step. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, it says, spoke this tailored message to these religious leaders. It happened just like Jesus said it was going to happen. And so they, they'd been with Jesus. They'd experienced that education. They knew what needed to be said because God's Spirit gave that to them. I don't know about you, but that's something only God could do. That's something only God could make happen. And John and Peter, the other apostles, the disciples, those who come to Christ afterwards, that's who I meant when I say disciples, they were seeing that. They were hearing that. And it's interesting, again, if you, keep, if you go in and read through Acts, they keep going back to the Old Testament. They keep going back to what God spoke back in the Old Testament and it's interesting, because that's what we should be doing. In our times of fear and uncertainty, we should be going back to Scripture, remind, us, remind ourselves of what God has told us, what Christ has taught us, what the Holy Spirit wants us to know. And that would give us great confidence, should we face persecution. And believe, us, or believe me, our, our persecution we face is nothing like the disciples'. It may come to that one of these days, but right now it's rejection and maybe making fun of us a little bit. Here's a confidence builder for us. These men are just like you and me. Now, I feel pretty good about this. I can always speak for myself. You know, I have some education. I know some things. I have a degree. I've studied the Bible a lot. But I'm not some high, you know, I don't know, some highly educated guy who can bring together all these different thoughts and, you know, adequately debate people in and of myself. The only reason I stand here on Sunday mornings, the only reason I teach, the only reason I'm a pastor, the only reason I share my faith with people is because I know God is going to give me what I need to do it. Because if it was up to me, if it was just me, I'd be sitting at my house with my family, and that's all I need. I, I mean, I like people. Don't get me wrong. I like you guys. But in and of myself, i just rather, you know, kind of just leave me alone. But God's Spirit works in us. When you start understanding what God's Word says and in this incredible message that we have, you can't help it. He works it in you. You're going to want to share it with people, and that's where I'm at. That's and I'm not perfect at it. That's another reason why I like the disciples. It made me feel the same way. And again, like I said at the beginning, we've talked about this. We can encounter the resurrected Jesus Christ as we spend time in his word. He wants to teach us and give us understanding and empower us with his Holy Spirit to do what he's called us to do. And when we do that, we go, wow, that's, that's only something God would do. That's definitely not of me. and That's exactly what God wants to hear. And we have that ability. We have that. So they didn't just have the confidence cuz they experienced the Holy Spirit giving them words. But they realized that they were living out what God told them back in the Old Testament would happen. Look at verse 23. We'll I mean, look 23 through 28. I need to kind of get moving here. It says when they had released, when they had been released, so they they were "'Arrested and threatened, don't do it again. "'When they had been released, they went to their own companions "'and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. "'And when they heard this,' to all these people, "'they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, "'O Lord, it is you who have made the heaven and the earth and the sea "'and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, "'through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, "'Why did the Gentiles rage and the people devise futile things?' the kings of the earth took their stand, and their rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against His Christ. Now the disciples get it. They get what David was saying. He was talking in part about their day and age. And they said, "For truly in this city they are gathered together against your holy servant. so they're having this praise time, this worship time, this praying and talking to God. Truly in this city, they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, again, all these kings of the earth and rulers, to do whatever your hand and your, pre- your purpose predestined to occur. They start with worshiping God for being the creator of all things. And what, they mean, what they're saying there is, you created all things, but you created everything with a purpose. You you know everything that's going on in every situation. And and what David, King David, hundreds of years earlier was predicting and saying would happen happened. And they said, "This is your purpose. You've put this together. This is something that you've done." And so their confidence was in the fact that God had 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 this in plan. This is not outside of his control. This is not something he's thinking, "Oh my word, what's happening?" My guys, they're being persecuted. He he knew. So God knows it. God has planned for it. And here's the coolest thing. He uses it to further his plans. When we go out and we share our faith, when we sit down with our friends and family coworkers, co-workers and we start talking to them about the Lord and something happens there and they're, they're upset with us or, or whatever, God knows that. God's aware of that. And God's going to use that to further his plans. Maybe not in that person's life, but somebody else's life. It could be the person you're talking to who doesn't want to hear about it goes over to another co-worker or something and says, yeah, did you hear Harold talking about Jesus? Can you believe it?" And the other guy's like, yeah, Yeah, see ya. Hey, uh, Harold, I want to talk to you. Because maybe there's a need in that guy's life. And and I wasn't talking to him, so God uses this guy who doesn't like me to talk to that person. I I don't know, I'm just throwing out what might happen. But we don't have to fear the persecution. God says, anytime I do something, there's always somebody to oppose it. So don't be shocked by it. Look at verses Twenty-nine through thirty uh, twenty-nine through thirty-one. It says this. And now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence. While you, while you extend your hand to heal, and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak the word of God with boldness. So they said, Lord, just continue to give us confidence. Continue to remind us of these things. You do the work, you make the impact, but give us boldness to share. And he kind of does a little bit of a, you know, I got you, I got your back. There's a little shaking going on. Fills them again with the Holy Spirit, and they go out and begin speaking again with boldness. Well, that was a wise prayer. Because we're going to look over in chapter 5. Because what happens in Acts is that the persecution gets greater. It's not just arrest and threaten now. It's arrest, threaten, and flog. And so flogging, whipping, beating them, trying to get them to stop sharing the message. But we see from these verses, we're going to see from them that the confidence... Through the persecution was the fact that they they knew they were living for Christ. They knew they were following Christ, they were doing what Christ had asked them to do. So let's look at verse 40, chapter 5, verse 40. Gamaliel, one of the leaders, had spoken and given him some advice, and basically said that, hey, if it's not of God, it's gonna die. If it's of God, you're fighting against God, so be careful. You may be careful, you know, don't want to fight against God. And, So they said, okay, well, we'll just let them go. We'll beat them first, but then we'll let them go. And so the forty said they they took his advice, Gamaliel's advice, and after calling the apostles in, because so before it was John and Peter, now it's all the apostles, they flogged them, beat them, and ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then released them. So they, the apostles, went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. And every day, the temple and from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching Jesus as Christ. They rejoiced that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame in the name of Christ. I think there's a couple things going on here, and I want to kind of go through these quickly with you. The first is this. Jesus had told them, back in John 15, and we're going to look at it, that the world hated him, the world persecuted him. And if you're going to be a follower of Christ, you need to understand that they will hate you as well, and they will persecute you. So John 15 says this. Ah, there it is. My magical powers are a little bit weak today. It says this. Jesus says, if the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you are of the world, the world would love its own. Right? I can get into the whole other sermon about it. We'll stop. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you: a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Again, the disciples were the ones who were scared, hiding, because they feared persecution. Then they experienced Jesus after the resurrection and they were willing to go forward sharing the gospel knowing this information that they were going to be persecuted. They were going to be hurt, physically hurt. But they were happy to experience, in Jesus' name, a little bit of what Jesus experienced for them in hopes that what drew us to Christ and what drew them to Christ would draw others to them so they could share Christ with them. And then the second thing is this. Jesus said if we want to be his followers, we need to understand that we will suffer as he did. Now these verses are a little bit more Hard-hitting, okay? I'll just give you a little heads up. The first one, he says this twice, by the way, in his teaching. Luke 9, 23. And he was saying to them, all, all you disciples, followers of Christ, if anyone wishes to come after me, that's when we give our life to Christ. We're saying, I wish to come after Christ. He must deny himself. Take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, that son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels." I'm going to go on to the next one. Luke 14, 27. Whoever does not carry his own cross. And what he's saying there is carrying our cross, giving up ourselves, dying to ourselves, dying to doing life the way we think we should do it. And when we come to Scripture and we find that, uh uh-oh, I'm not doing life the way God wants me to do it. I'm going to put myself over on that cross and, and die to myself. I'm going to do it God's way. I'm going to do it Christ's way. And come after me cannot be my disciple. That's hard-hitting, but that's truth. Jesus is not just saying this to have something to say. He's saying this is, this is important stuff. Get what I'm saying. If you've placed your faith in Christ, if you've placed yourself, your faith in me, you want to follow after me. There are some things that you have to do. And not in order to gain salvation, but because you're saved, because you're a child of God, because we're bond servants, we're slaves of God now. We're part of His His world, His purposes. You know, we, we get the whole, yeah, I love coming to church and worshiping with other people, and great music, and Harold's okay, and, you know, it's a nice building. I like going to Bible study and praying with each other and learning some things about the Bible and gaining some more interesting ideas and understandings of words. I'm even okay with maybe doing some outreaches as long as I'm with people. All good things, things we should be doing. But Jesus says... That if you're going to be a follower of Christ, then you need to follow Christ. You need to live life the way Christ lived it. You need to live it for the same purpose that he lived it. I don't know why you initially came to Christ. I know why I did. I was four years old. I've told you the story. Four years old. My dad's talking about the ark in the Old Testament. I asked about where, where did all the people go who didn't make it into the ark. He said, well, they died and went to hell. And I said, whoa, what's that? What's hell? And so he tells me about what hell is and the fact that that's that's man's judgment for sinning against a holy and righteous God. That's the bad news. And at four years old, I'm thinking, I don't want to go there. I don't know when I'm going to die, but I don't want to go there. So how do I not go there? How do I get saved? And so he told me about Jesus Christ and the fact that only Christ, only God in the flesh, could die an eternal death for my sin. And I understood that, and so I grabbed onto that, and I trusted that Christ died for my sins, and I asked God to forgive me of my sins. I'm mean, at four years old, I'm having this conversation with God. My dad's helping me, you know, leading me along. But it was only as I got older, and I started reading the Bible more, and studying the Bible more, and reading verses like this, that I began to realize oh, whoa, it's, it's more than a get out of hell card, you know, it's more than fire insurance that this is a relationship that I have with God through Christ, and just like Christ was here on mission, I get to be on that same mission with him, that I get to make an eternal impact in the lives of people if I would just simply follow Christ and do life the way Christ wants it done so I can tell other people about Christ. And I began to understand that, and I began to actually take a step of faith and do that and talk to people about Christ and see them get excited and see people come to Christ and and that just got me all excited. It got me, and I didn't, you know, again, I'm not perfect, you guys. Don't get me wrong. I, I fail too often to not share my faith. But the times that I have, what an incredible experience. What a great opportunity. Christ wanted me to be on his rescue mission with him. Again, I've said this before. The persecution Jesus went through, that's what caught my eye. That's what caught your eye, I'm assuming. And if we experience persecution, we're gonna have people seeing that in our lives and and being drawn to Christ. And it's it's funny <laughs> to see that this confidence. This realization gave them the confidence to keep on going. Verse 42, and every day in the temple from house to house, they kept right on teaching and preaching. Uh, You guys can beat us. They're going to find out that they'll actually get killed for this, but we're going this way. We're going to just keep on doing it. We're going to keep on sharing because it's more important that people are saved from hell going to heaven who have a relationship with God than anything that might happen to us Physically. So I don't know how this has hitting you this morning. I know how it's been hitting me this week as I've been studying it. It's been very difficult to put words down on a piece of paper. But here has been my prayer, that it will challenge us in two ways. Number one, it would challenge you to evaluate, challenge us to evaluate where we're at in our relationship with Christ. You guys, we have an incredible opportunity to share the life-giving message of Jesus Christ to people. And not only change their eternity, which is, of course, an incredible thing, but to give them who they need to take them through this life and to go through all the difficulties that they're going through, the frustrations that they're going through, and for us to get to see that, to experience that, and to grow in our faith because of it. I don't know, again, how you... what an, Motivated you to come to Christ, but I'm strongly encouraging you get into His Word and know what more He has for you. You'll never be disappointed. The second thing I've been praying for is that we would it would give us the confidence to take that step of faith, to experience the excitement and the the, um, the blessing. Uh, I can't even come up. I don't even know what words to give it. As we share our faith with people. As we reach out in the name of Christ. At Grace Point, I think you guys kind of get the picture. That's what we're about. That's what we're going to be about. There's a lot of things that we could do. But there's going to be one thing we definitely do. And that is share Christ. Share Christ message of reconciliation, making right get ourselves right with God through faith in Christ, through what he did on the cross and getting that message out. Secondly, I'm going to do it. I'm, I've got now I know more of my, my neighbors. I've got them on my prayer list. I'm going to start praying for them looking for opportunities. It's inconvenient. I wanted to work on my porch, my neighbor shows up and wants to talk. Oh. So I have to admit I was working a little, talking a little, working a little, talking a little, praying a lot, saying, Lord, you know, give me patience, give me patience. And I'm gonna challenge you guys, but I'm also gonna do what I can to train you, to help you, to motivate you, to encourage you in that way as well. Let's go ahead and stand and we'll close in prayer. Heavenly Father, again, thank you so much for um, the fact that you're the, the great teacher. Um, this is a reality check, I guess, maybe is the best way to look at it. Before we go a little further into Acts and see again how what things were uh, put into place, things that happened in order to spread the gospel and we can learn from it. But the, the reality check is we're, there's going to be some persecution potentially, might be, Certainly not what the apostles and disciples felt, but in my prayer, Lord, as it has been, that we would understand that and understand our relationship with you and then take that step of faith based on all that we know about you to tell people. Because, Lord, we, we, we can't tell people until we know you And we won't tell people until we know you. Because then you will flow through us. You will make it happen. So Lord, I pray that you would honor us with understanding. I pray that you would give us what we need. That um, we would take the steps that we need to take. And that Lord, we would see people come to Christ. We'd see this auditorium filled. we see our family, our church family grow. Take care of more and more people having more and more people experiencing you. Thank you for giving us that privilege and opportunity. In Christ's name, amen. Well, thank you very much for coming. Have a great week. And go celebrate mom one way or another.